This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Do all religions worship the same God? That's the question before us here today on Viewpoint. And as we get into this discussion, we're going to frame this more in the nature of the places of worship. How we worship. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that my house shall be a house of prayer for all people. Jesus quoted that passage in the New Testament, and he said, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus did not repeat the part about a house of prayer for all people. So I have a question for you as we launch into the program today. Is God's house a house of prayer for all people? Now, obviously, this was talking about the temple. This is talking about the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount. My house. God called it his house. He ordained that particular place, the Temple Mount, the place where Abraham was told to offer Isaac, his son, upon the altar, and God provided himself a lamb, a ram, to substitute for Abraham's firstborn son, or his only son of promise. But that was the Temple Mount. It was called Mount Moriah at that time. Then we know that when David became king of Israel, he yearned to build a temple. In fact, Mount Zion is actually the lower part of the Temple Mount. It was called the City of David. But God would not allow David to build a temple. He said, no, uh, that's going to be the job of your son Solomon. Because, David, you have too much blood on your hands. You've been a warrior, and I want this to be Solomon's job. So, David provided for years all of the various materials and so on, was dedicated in doing it, and then ultimately Solomon did build the temple, and it was dedicated, and God put his blessing upon it and showed up with his Shekinah glory to dedicate the temple. This was the temple, ultimately, that was destroyed. It was destroyed at the time of the Babylonian captivity. Then it was rebuilt after the Jews returned from Babylon to Jerusalem, and that second temple was nowhere near what the first temple was, nearly as glorious. And then ultimately the temple itself was destroyed again by the Romans in 70 A.D. Jesus had foretold that that's exactly what was going to happen. His disciples were bragging about the beautiful uh, buildings and structures on the temple that had been augmented by King Herod and uh, turned it into a a magnificent place. And Jesus said, don't get too uh, uppity about this because the time is coming when there will not be one stone upon another. They will all be cast down. Well, that's exactly what the Romans did in 70 A.D. Now the question is, will there be a rebuilt temple? 
And if so, who is it for? Is the temple for Jews? Is the temple for Jews and Christians? Is the temple for Jews, Muslims, and Christians? Is the two, uh, uh, temple for atheists and uh, Hindus and Buddhists and uh, Zoroastrians uh, and all of the various religions of the world or non-religions? Is the temple for all to do their own thing? Well, that is the problem that we're facing here today on Viewpoint, and you might not think it to be a problem, but it is a greater problem than you might even imagine. And so I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and here we go. This just came out from the Jerusalem Post. House of Worship for Christians, Jews, Muslims, being built in Berlin. Berlin. A synagogue, a church, and a mosque, all within the same structure. The German government will be constructing a house of worship for all faiths. Not just for Jews, not for just for Christians, not just for Muslims. The House of One, as it's called in Berlin, some are referring to it as the the uh, uh, church mosque, the church mosque. Well, it's not just for Christians. It's not just for Muslims. It's not just for Jews. It's the house of one intended to bring all face and no face together as a sign of coexistence and solidarity. Does this get your attention? A foundation stone for the house will be laid at a ceremony to take place on May 27th. The project has undergone 10 years of planning, and it's estimated that the $57 million construction will take just around four years. The German government and the state of Berlin put up close to $37 million for the project. A Christian theologian, Roland Stolte, said the idea is pretty simple and he is one of the organizers of the project. He said, East Berlin is a very secular place. Religious institutions have to find new language and ways to be relevant. He went on to say that there are many different ways to God, and each is is a good way. Then a rabbi came in and repeated it. Many different ways to God, each is a good way, and the rabbi said, it's more than a symbol, it's start a start of a new era. I want you to think about that. The start of a new era. <clears throat> Do you remember back in 1967, if you were living then, you remember back a very catchy tune that made its way across America over and over and over again? It was sung by the Fifth Dimension in a Broadway musical called Hair. And it went like this. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, age of Aquarius, 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 yes. Promising peace and understanding, coexistence, the salvation of the world, the unification of all human beings. 
the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Well, do you know when that dawning took place? That dawning took place, according to astrologers, on December 20th, 2020, last year. December 20th, 2020. That was the official dawning of the age of Aquarius. Now, all of these things that are taking place are actually in partial fulfillment of that dawning of the age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius is an age uh, that is more commonly known as the New Age, New Age religion. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we move on in today's program. But friends, what we're seeing happen now is nothing short of breathtaking. It is as if the religions of the world and the uh, uh, religio-political folk of the world are actually now unifying as if there is just one God that they're all serving. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Yes, you say, isn't God one God? Isn't he the one God over all? Well, yes, but who is he? That's the problem. Who is he? Well, it may come as a surprise to you to know that that one God is actually you. That one God is actually you. Does that come as a shock? That's exactly what New Age teaching is. That's exactly what Oprah Winfrey was promoting when she brought Marianne Williamson on her famous television program and discipled the women of the world, including Christians, to embrace that idea. Then she brought Eckhart Tolle on her program and began the process of indoctrinating the whole earth and devoted herself to disciple, as she called it, a discipleship program to prepare the peoples of our planet for this new era, the new world religion. Now, that's what we're really talking about here. And the question is, are we able to discern or discriminate between the God of the Bible and the God of this new age religion? Well, apparently it should be somewhat simple for us because the God of the new age religion is you. You are becoming God. It's the very same principle that Mormons embraced their first president stated, as we are, God once was, and as God is, we shall become. It's the same thing as the New Age religion and their coming Messiah. You are the Messiah. 
You may not realize it yet, but you're in the process of becoming the Messiah. In other words, you are your own Savior. You are your own God. Now, if everybody can worship their own God, and those beliefs and worship are not the same, it tells us that we're not worshiping the same God. So if Muslims decree that Jews and Christians should be wiped off the face of the earth, which they do, obviously they're not worshiping the same God. When Muslims say that Jesus, Isa, as they call him, is indeed Jesus, but he's not the Jesus of the Bible because they do not believe that Isa or Jesus died and rose again. They say that was all a fraud. It's blasphemy to believe that Jesus died and rose again. By the way, that's the foundation of the Christian faith if you did not understand that. So therefore, Muslims do not agree even in a remote way to the foundational principles and understanding of the Christian faith. But how about the Jewish faith? Well, Jews believe in one God. They do not believe in a trinity. They believe in one God. In fact, they believe that to believe in a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is blasphemy. Because that means you believe in three gods, not one. And so, therefore, they have to reject Christianity, the Christian faith, because from their viewpoint, you, if you believe in the Trinity, are a blasphemer. You are an idolater. You believe in three gods. Jews believe in one God who created the world. We know that God created the world, but the Bible says that Jesus created the world. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. Over and over again, it says that Jesus created the world. But the Jews don't believe in Jesus. They believe he is a prophet or was a uh, intelligent, wise rabbi, but they do not believe he was Messiah. But Messiah is believed in Judaism to be a righteous king who will be sent by God to unite people all over the world, regardless of race, culture, or religion. In other words, the Jewish people, in essence, believe in a one-world religion. They believe that that one-world religion is Judaism. Let that sink in. However, it opens the door, their belief system opens the door for the receipt of uh, reception of other religious peoples coexisting together in order to achieve the believed goal and purpose of the Messiah when he comes, and that is to bring about a messianic age in which all people will live in peace. Now we know of the prophet Isaiah, who said of Jesus, the coming Messiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David to order and establish it. So, the ancient prophet Isaiah did talk about the Prince of Peace. But is that Prince of Peace a non-Jesus Messiah? And if so, who is that non-Jesus Messiah? The Tanakh uh, states that the Messiah will be a great leader, will be descended from King David. Well, Jesus descended from King David <clears throat> both through Mary and through Joseph. <clears throat> if you look at the genetics, so to speak, in Matthew and then also in Luke, you find that their histories merge together, and he fulfills that requirement that he is of the branch of David. According to the Jewish people, the book of Isaiah says that the Messiah will be a political leader and a judge, that he will create a fair government in Israel, which will become a center for all politics worldwide. Now, when they say a political leader, they're saying, since Isaiah said that his name will be Prince of Peace and that through his government, peace will remain. Therefore, he must be a political savior. So the conclusion of the Jews is that Jesus, or the Messiah as they see him, is going to be a political deliverer, a political savior. Well, that's exactly what they were looking for when Jesus showed up and they didn't recognize him. So the question then is, if they didn't recognize Jesus as Messiah then, how would they recognize a Messiah, if it were not Jesus, how would they recognize a Messiah coming soon? What will he look like? What will he be like? What will he be doing? When will he be coming? That's a big question. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, in fact, I came to you in my Father's name, and you didn't receive me. But there is one coming in his own name, and him you will receive. Interesting. So Jesus was saying to his Jewish brethren, you're going to receive a counterfeit. You're going to receive an imposter. You rejected me. You wanted a political savior, just like you wanted a king in the days of of the prophet Samuel, and so I gave you Saul. You wanted a king. And then you told, your leaders told Pontius Pilate, we have no king but Caesar, so you're going to get Caesar. You're going to get Caesar as your king, as your Messiah. Now, what is this Messiah in the Messianic age going to do? Well, they have a term called Olam Haba, meaning the world to come. So Jews believe that this messianic age then will be a time of peace with a total absence of war and hatred. And during the messianic age, the Jews believe that God 
will be accepted by everyone, and Judaism will be known as the one true religion. So if God is accepted by everyone, that's a massive conversion, isn't it? So is there going to be a spiritual awakening in the world such that every single person on the planet is going to receive this messianic figure, whoever it might be, that God will be accepted by everyone? Well, if we look at the New Testament, we find out that isn't true at all. In fact, the New Testament, through the mouth of Jesus, said, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, and precious few there will be that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many will go in thereat. So now we have some competing viewpoints. We not only have the competing viewpoint of the Jewish people, we have the competing viewpoint of Muslims, the competing viewpoint of even Christians, And certainly the competing viewpoint of Hindus, Buddhists, Zoroastrians, and all of the other 16 religions, I think there are 16 main religions of the world, they all have different viewpoints. And that's why we say here on this program, viewpoint determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. So when we look at these developments, now, a synagogue, a church, and a mosque all in one structure to be built in Berlin, calling it a house of worship for all faiths. What does that mean? What that actually means is the same thing that the Jewish leaders, Orthodox Jews, mean when they say, when they interpret the words of Isaiah, my house shall be a house of prayer for all people. Therefore, I want you to try to follow this. Their reasoning then is that unless the temple is rebuilt, there is no hope for peace on earth. The reason there's no hope for peace on earth is because it's a house of prayer for all people And the only way to bring peace is for all people to come together in peace on the Temple Mount to worship God. Problem. What God are they worshiping? Are Muslims, Christians, and Jews all worshiping exactly the same God? And whatever happened to Jesus? Well, Jesus has to be dismissed. So what replaces Jesus? Would you like to know what replaces Jesus? Christ. You say, I thought Jesus and Christ were the same one. That's what you thought. But according to New Age theology, there is a cosmic Christ, and you are part of that cosmic Christ. In fact, you are so much a part of that cosmic Christ that you indeed are becoming Christ. There is no Messiah who is coming. We'll all get together and we're going to have this great time 
of uh, whether you call it worship, whether you call it coexistence, whether you call it just massive global peace. We're going to have this great coming together because we're all God. You're divine. You're a Christ in the making. And therefore, you cannot dispute with other Christs in the making. You cannot dispute or differ from other uh, divines in the making because you're all divine and you're all Christ. And therefore, you all have equal authority. And so you are your own authority in the world. Not God, because you are God. This is the emerging doctrine of our time. It is this concept that is beginning to unite the world for the new world order. Try to hang in there, friends. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Viewpoint. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're talking about the uh, emerging thoughts concerning God, concerning the Messiah, concerning uh, the worship of God, or worship in general, whether or not the temple, a rebuilt temple, will be a house of prayer for all religions or non-religions, whoever wants to be part of it, or whether it's only for those who truly are following the God of creation as revealed in his Son, Jesus Christ, as Savior of the world and Messiah. That's really the question before us. Now, you may think it's all, you've got it all figured out. You may think, you may have uh, come to the conclusion that uh, you have a full and complete understanding of this, but I'm telling you, I'm not trying to discourage you from having that full understanding. I'm just saying that's not the understanding that's growing out there in our world. And you need to be aware of this understanding that's growing out there in our world, or it is likely that the majority of professing Christians who are weak in their faith will be deceived. This is the reason why Jesus said, I have to warn you, that the deception is going to be so great in these end times that if it were possible, even the very small remnant elect would be deceived. 
Now, that's a very small group. Jesus said it was going to be small. Straight as a gate, narrow as the way, and precious few, there will either find it, he said. The Apostle Paul talked about a massive falling away. When? Just before the counterfeit Christ or the Antichrist is revealed for who he is. Now, how is he going to be revealed for who he is? It's going to come through the melding of geopolitics and this new age melding of religious thought that declares that we're all becoming God. There is no God to tell us what to do. We are each our own moral authority. And the sooner we get that into our heads and hearts, we're all going to get along. Because we're not going to be at each other. We're going to accept what everybody else has to say. And friends, if you want to understand what the true nature of the cancel culture is, you're about to hear it. The cancel culture is coming upon us not just for politics and, and, and power. It's coming upon the world, not only the United States, but the world, in order to keep true followers of Jesus Christ ultimately from resisting the new world order and its new world religion. Now, we're going to have to talk a little bit more about the implications of that here on the program today. We will. And it may shock you. We're tying a lot of things here together on the viewpoint today. Now, the problem is not with the term a house of prayer for all people. For instance, I have in front of me, from the great resource called Wikipedia, a headline, United House of Prayer for All People. Well, believe it or not, back in uh, 1919, a fellow by the name of, uh, well, he has a very, very long name, built the first United House of Prayer for All People in West Wareham, Massachusetts. And he incorporated the United House of Prayer for All People in Washington, D.C. in 1927. According to them, they have 145 places of worship in 29 states, an estimated membership of somewhere between 27,000 and 50,000 members, and uh, they actually believe in Jesus Christ as the one and only true God and Savior. Their creed establishes its basic principles as believing in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross so that humanity could have life, water baptism for the repentance of sin, that to be saved one must be born again of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the difference. When the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, my house should be called a house of prayer for all people, it is talking about all people who will embrace the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, as Messiah. That is what it's really talking about. But if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as Messiah, 
or you only believe in a cosmic Christ, or that each person is uh, continuing to become Christ, or become God, then you have a whole different line of thinking. And that is the thinking that is developing. That is the belief system that is increasingly developing throughout the world. And believe it or not, I'm currently writing the book on this subject called Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. So I know know a bit about what I'm talking about here. It may be shocking, but it is true. The reason why I wrote the book Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, is that before the Messiah comes, there is going to come a counterfeit. He's referred to as the Antichrist, not just an Antichrist, but the Antichrist. He will be the incarnation, so to speak, of all of Satan's malevolent deception. And so great will that deception be that the majority of people on the planet will be deceived. Therefore, it is extremely important now that you, your family, your congregation pastors, understand and begin to seriously deal with what is coming. Because if you do not, you will be like a parrot that refuses to warn their child of the dangers of running out of the street or the danger of drinking poison or the danger of sticking their finger in a, a light socket or something. You would call that child abuse. Well, it's the same thing when we do not prepare those that we love and care for of these times that are coming. That's why we're doing it. The book is called Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. I should have put in there, soon coming imposter. Because all of this is coming extremely rapidly now. The whole world is engaged in it. When two weeks ago, Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world and founder of Amazon, caused to be placed in the newspapers all over America the rendition of his new headquarters in our nation's capital modeled directly after the Tower of Babel. What does the Tower of Babel represent? The unifying of the world against God. That's what it symbolizes, friends. So now we have a house of worship for all peoples, all religions or non-religions being built in Berlin, Germany. We have Jeff Bezos setting up the model for unifying the world and establishing it in our nation's capital, the Tower of Babel. We have the New Age folk that are moving triple time to uh, bring about 
the discipling of all people on the planet into this new self-oriented, self-exalting godhood. And it should come as no surprise, friend, that in this age, we have the me, me, me generation and the age of selfies. They all are blending together and coming together at the very same time. Get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. It is a $22 book. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, lest you should think that that's all there is, in Kazan, the capital city uh, of Tataristan Republic, there is an amazing place that combines the world's major religions. It's called the Temple of All Religions or the Temple of Seven Religions or the Universal Temple. It combines the images of religious buildings of different faiths in an attempt to achieve harmony and peaceful coexistence. This is the spirit of the New Age religion. This is coming from RussiaTrek.org, the temple of all religions. It's in a Russian travel blog. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the pictures of it. It's pretty dramatic. The miracle of architectural thought was originally designed by a local resident. He began the construction in 1994, didn't live to see the completion of the temple. Today it's being finished with money from donations. According to the designer, Ildar, during meditation, he said, Jesus came to him and said, Ildar, you have a barn where cows were sleeping before. There are three shovels and a metal crowbar there now. Today you will get up at 6 a.m. and start the construction of a universal temple near your father's old house. And so he began to build it. Do you think that was Jesus that told him to do that? Is this the same Jesus that keeps talking to the New Agers? We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Do-it-yourself religion, do-it-yourself faith. Listen to this. 
the New York Times, reporting on a church in Washington, the state of Washington, that embraces all religions and rejects those who don't. Stephen Greenbaum came in his Prius one Sunday morning, set about transforming its cafeteria into a sanctuary and himself into a minister. He donned vestments adorned with the symbols of nearly a dozen religions. He unfolded a portable bookshelf and set the Quran beside the Hebrew Bible, with both of them near two volumes of the Humanist Manifesto and the Sioux Wisdom of Black Elk Speaks. Candles, stones, bells, and flowers adorned the improvised altar. Some of the congregants began arriving to help. There was Steve Crawford, who had spent his youth in Campus Crusade for Christ, and Gloria Parker raised a Lutheran and married to a Catholic, and Patrick McKenna, who had been brought up as a Jehovah's Witness and now called himself a pagan. They had come together with the other members to celebrate the end of their third year as the Congregation of the Living Interfaith Church. Mr. Greenbaum, the founder, yearning for decades to find a religion that embraced all religions and secular ethical teachings as well, he had finally followed the mantra of Indies, uh, Seattle's indie music scene, DIY, do-it-yourself. So the service progressed. The liturgy moved from a poem by the Sufi uh, mystic Rumi in The Passing of the Peace greeting that traced back to early Christianity, to a Buddhist responsive reading, to an African-American spiritual, to a rabbinical song. In other weeks, the service is drawn from Baha'i, Shinto, Sikh, Hindu, and Wiccan traditions, and from various humanist sources. This is the church. Well, it is what they're calling the church. It's the church of universal faith. This is happening everywhere, friends. This, a book by David Seitz, is called A House of Prayer for All People. That's the title of the book. He maps the effective dimensions of the politics of citizenship at one large LGBT church, focusing on debates on race and gender and religious leadership, activism around police, minority relations, outreach to LGBT Christians, transnationally and advocacy for asylum seekers through critique and cultural geography Queer of color critique, psychoanalysis, and effect theory, uh, affect theory. He stages reparative encounters with citizenship and religion. One observer and pastor of the Metropolitan Community Church in Toronto, by the way, that's an all homosexual church. The pastor said that this author elegantly engages with the questions of our time. 
the queer church. But my suggest to you that if you don't embrace that idea, there is coming a time when you will be selected out of the true New Age church that will unite the world in a one world order. You heard the term selected out. It's called the selection process. New Age will not use the term persecution and they won't use the term execution. What they do use is the term selection or selection process. It's a euphemism for massive persecution to the point of complete exclusion from all society and from the planet. I hope you're listening. In other words, if their viewpoint is in this new New Age church or religion, it is to unify the world. If you disagree with their viewpoint, In other words, with all of the woke ideas that are coming out now, for which the cancel culture is being utilized to silence anyone who resists, if you resist in any way, you will be deemed an enemy of world peace. Because you do not have the spirit of the cosmic Christ. Because if you had the spirit of the cosmic Christ, you would be at one coexisting with all of these other ideas that are almost all radically contrary to biblical morality and the very character of God. Israel has a problem. Israel has a real problem. So does America. American churches have a real problem. Why? Because they're in a desperate attempt to be relevant, to be inclusive. Isn't that the word today, inclusive? All it is, friends, is a word to describe that if you don't agree with all of these non-biblical viewpoints, either moral or spiritual or the character of God, if you don't agree with them, you must be removed because you're preventing them from achieving the world's great hope, the utopian global government of world peace. And Satan is working triple time now to complete the job that he declared on the Mount of God in heaven, when he said in rebellion and envy, I will be like the Most High God. I will ascend to the heights of the north. I will be like the Most High God. In other words, I will establish my temple. I will establish my place of worship. I will establish how people are to really be worshiping. And they're going to worship themselves, just like I did. He's talking about Satan's talking about himself.
And so then you have, back in the in the 1800s, you have Alice Bailey coming out, talking about how she she forms the Lucifer or the Lucis Trust and the Lucifer Publishing Company, laying the foundation for this new world religion and the cosmic Christ. It's, it's, it's just shocking, friends. But Israel has a problem. Netanyahu made this statement. People of all faiths can worship at the Temple Mount. What do you mean by that? Well, for one thing, from, from a political standpoint, the Muslims have control, at least management control. Israel has legal control of the Temple Mount. And Christians have no control. So of those three groups, all are entitled to, shall we say, worship at the Temple Mount, except Jews and Christians cannot pray there by order of law. Mr. Netanyahu is in a very tense situation. He's an Orthodox Jew. He's trying to please everyone. You can't do that. If you think that you're going to be relevant to everyone and please everyone, you will get yourself on the road to hell that is paved at Compromise Corner. And that's where so many of our pastors are today, trying to please everybody, trying to be woke, trying to be relevant, trying to embrace as much of the world as they possibly can and still not fall over the precipice of theology. But they're leading their people over the precipice. So what's the upshot here? The upshot of all of this is, friends, you and I need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need to put on the whole armor of God now. Not just part of it. Not just the helmet of salvation. No, we have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not just the kingdom of God, but and his righteousness. We need to do both and. We need to not only have on the helmet of salvation, which so many think is all that is needed. Just get somebody to make a confession. No. That's not what it means to follow the Lord. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe or obey everything that I've commanded. That means we have to put on not only the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation, but we have to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we also have to have the shield of faith, which is likewise where we put our trust in the Word of God. These are the operational things, friends, that we need to be focusing on 
as true believers. This is what you, my dear parents and grandparents out there, this is what you need to be focusing on with your kids. These are serious times. It's time to sober up. You say, I don't want to sober up. We've just been going through all this uh, pandemic stuff, and it's, no, we just want to get happy, okay? These aren't those times. It's okay to be joyful in the Lord, but it's not a time for giddy happiness. This is not a giddy time. It's a time to get serious, to prepare the way of the Lord in your life, in your heart, among those you love and care for. Pastors, this is not business as usual time to build your church. It's not your church anyway. Jesus said he would build his church. You're supposed to make disciples, as are all of us. We need to really rethink what we're doing. Because otherwise, we're going to get caught up in this massive deception that is coming so rapidly. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint today. Get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Messiah. I don't think you'll be disappointed. This last weekend, I was interviewed for just 15 minutes on a video podcast, video cast, and dozens and dozens and dozens of people responded. They got it. They got it. How about you? $22 will put the book in your hands. Antichrist. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. And please seriously consider becoming a partner, friends, so that we can get, get the message out increasingly for such a time as this. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.